know, God is at work. God is definitely at work, you know, especially for those of us who love him and really believe to hear the voice of the Lord. And I'm going to share a testimony. Um, God speaks to people who aren't even expecting to hear from him and don't know it's God until you actually tell them later. And uh, on Wednesday, one of my clients, uh, he's 87 years old. Uh, he uh, has got uh, post-traumatic stress after the death of his wife. She, they were married 55 years and he went through some significant traumas and uh, he's a client of mine. Anyway, Wednesday he comes and he always loves to see me. He goes, oh, Wendy, oh, you are my best friend. <laughs> I said, how's your week been? He said, oh, the last four days has been terrible. I said, what happened? He said, on Sunday night, he said, I never, never, this sounds crude, but it's not. He said, I never go to the toilet in the middle of the night. Never go to the toilet in the middle of the night. But on Sunday night, I just felt really strongly I had to go. And he said, I went. And when I was there, I, he lives on a very busy road. He said, when I was in there, I heard a very loud crash. And I thought there's been a car accident at the front of the house. Anyway, he said, when I came back from the toilet to go into my bedroom, the whole ceiling had crashed down in his room. The whole ceiling. Anyway, long story short, the, um, the insurance people came the next day and his daughter and they all said, you are a very lucky man. And I said, no, you are not lucky, you're blessed. And it was actually God. He's a, he's a Catholic, lapsed Catholic, <laughs> whatever that is. Anyway, he said that, uh, he acknowledged that, yes, yeah, somebody was watching out over him. And I was able to use that testimony to every single client during the week. And a lot of them are Christian. Some of them are not, but they all were like, wow, wow. It must have been God, even those who don't know the Lord. And there was a couple that, there were some Muslims, and I shared it with them, and they were like, wow, that was God. And I said, yeah, it was our God. <laughs> anyway. Father, I just thank you that you do speak to us, even when we're not aware of it, even when some of us are not expecting you to and don't even feel worthy that you would speak to us. Lord, you do, because you are a caring, caring Heavenly Father. Lord, I thank you for sparing his life and injury and removing the trauma of that situation. Father, I just thank you that you are watching over us and that you take good care. Father, I pray especially for Sandy for her birthday tomorrow, that you would watch over her and take good care of her all the days of her life. Lord, that you've brought her thus far. Father, I pray that you would um, take her onwards and upwards in you, that you would bless her and keep her safe, restore strength to her, Lord, spirit, soul and body. Watch over her and uh, uh, thank you, Lord, for the divine appointments uh, in her life. Lord, I thank you that she is in this church as a result of us meeting in the emergency room at the hospital a long time, quite a few, I don't know how long ago, but it was a special, special time. And I thank you that she's a special girl, that you would bless her tomorrow on her birthday in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 So, yeah, God is good. 
You know, I love every opportunity to share a testimony. So I grabbed that one this week. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's wow. wonderful, wonderful. Okay, let's get to the word tonight. I want to preach on a word called the restorer. The restorer. And uh, he, he will have his uh, ceiling restored, <laughs> no doubt. Um, it'll probably be better than it was uh, originally. Maybe there was a fault in it, who knows? Who knows why it fell, but it did. And uh, I'm going to talk about restoration. And uh, restoring is about making something into the condition or restoring it to its former condition. And that's kind of the worldly sense. That's what we automatically think of when we think of restoration. You think of a restoration of a building or a room or a house or maybe a car, maybe um, furniture, maybe books, all kinds of things um, can be restored. And these are usually things, and they're usually things of value or things that we value. And they are restored in the worldly sense as being brought back kind of to their original condition. But tonight I want to talk about restoration from a biblical sense, which is not so much about things, but more about people. And it's also not about restoring to the original, but actually a better state than the original. So that's what I want to talk about tonight. And restoring or restoration is mentioned about 120, 130 times in the Bible. So it's significant in uh, the Word of God. But like I said, biblical restoration brings something or someone to a better state than they were originally. You know, restoration, building. You know, God is a builder. God is a builder. He's a restorer. He's a builder. Jesus came. What was Jesus' job on the earth? He was a carpenter. He was a builder. God is into building. He's into restoration. He's into these kind of hands-on things. I don't know about you, but, you know, if I'd been a guy, I would love to have been a builder or, you know, bricklayer or <coughs> been able to see something, you know, tangible. I think for engine, you know, you guys, it's wonderful. The, the line of work that you're in, construction. Okay, so when Adam and Eve fell, um, originally their condition was pretty much perfection and the place where they were was wonderful. But when they fell through sin and through the temptation, God began his restoration plan from the very beginning. He had a plan. And so the plan of God is shown throughout the Bible through his promises, through his covenants, and, and then pointing to Jesus, the one who will totally restore. Amen? Mm -hmm. So I just want to look tonight at a few things that God restores. And we may be able to relate to these things. You know, the word of God, I want it to be alive and real to you and applicable and relevant in your lives, okay? I don't want you to sit there and think, oh, this is so boring. How can we apply the Word of God in our lives? Because a lot of people read the Bible and think, this doesn't make any sense to me. My advice is this to you. Keep reading 
until you find something that does make sense. You don't have to understand everything, but when something pops out for you, then you think, you know what? I think I need to do that, or I can believe for that, or I can apply that, okay? God doesn't expect us to understand everything that's in the Bible. It's not about knowing the Bible by heart, it's in knowing the heart that's behind the Bible, okay? All right, so let's go to the first person who really needed some restoration, and that was Job. We mentioned Job uh, the other night, and one of Job's friends was speaking to him at the time, and he said this to him uh, when he was in his time of affliction. He said, he shall pray to God, right, who, whoever is afflicted or having a difficult time, in trouble, in struggles, in trials, pray to God, and he will delight in him. He shall see his face with joy, for he restores to man his righteousness. Now this was one of Job's friends saying basically, look, you must have done something wrong to deserve this. You must be being punished by God. And so he's basically saying, listen, Job, if you will pray, then God will delight in you. He'll be happy about that. And you will experience the presence of God. Yeah, that's true. And he will say that he said this, he will rest, for he, God, restores to man his righteousness. So when somebody has sinned or done something that is not right, then when you pray and you repent and ask God for forgiveness, God will restore and give to you or impute to you his righteousness, his goodness. And so this was what the friend was saying. Basically, he's saying, look, you've done something wrong. You need to repent and God will restore his righteousness to you. But at the very beginning of the book, it actually says that Job was blameless and upright before the Lord. So he was right before God. He was already right before God. His friend didn't understand what was going on. But he understood how important it was to pray to the Lord and as a result then restoration in some form would come and of course if you read the book of Job at the end everything he lost at the beginning was restored okay it said the Lord restored Job's losses when when he prayed for himself no when he prayed for his friends and indeed the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. You know, sometimes when we go through really difficult times, we feel like God is punishing us. That was not the case here. That was not the case. It was a journey of spiritual growth and revelation of who God really was. That's what it was for Job. And sometimes that is what it is for us too. And we don't always understand what's going on. And the people around us may not understand what's going on. They may blame and point the finger, but they may be totally wrong. But the key always is prayer, when you pray. And when Job prayed, not just for himself, not for himself at all here, but actually for his friends, for his friends who were pointing the finger at him and misunderstanding him and actually accusing him when he prayed for them, and sometimes it's hard to pray. You know, when a friend hurts you, it really hurts. When a family member hurts you, it really hurts. 
And sometimes that's the hardest ones to pray for. So when he prayed for his friends, that's when God restored to him twice as much as he had before. God is a good God. When he restores, he doesn't just give back exactly what you had. He went above and beyond. Better than before. Better than before. Okay? Um, another example of this kind of thing was uh, he didn't just restore things. He restored relationship. Okay? All his brothers. Okay, so after all this happened and things are going well now, it said, then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him, ate food with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Wow. And we know God did allow this. At the very beginning of the book, we know that God allowed this. Is God going to allow this for every one of us? Probably not. This was for Job, okay? Some people can handle things more than others. Each one of us needs to walk our walk with the Lord. He's not going to do this to every single one of us. But even when he did it, it showed who was with him and who was not. Pretty much everyone forsook him. His friends, all his brothers, all his sisters, all his acquaintances, his wife said, look, why don't you just drop dead? <laughs> curse, die, curse God and die. That's what his wife said. Nobody encouraged him. No one. And sometimes we feel like we've got no one. But we've always got the Lord. And at the end of the day, he is going to restore. He is going to bring the breakthrough. He is going to be with us. Just like he said, to Joshua, we read it before. So now they come, they party with him, they say, oh, you're gonna be fine, everything's gonna be good now. But they weren't there when it really mattered. But that's okay. God restores relationships too. God restores relationships. This is what it was all about. Restoring the things that he lost and the relationships, amen? Who, when I was uh, writing this, I was thinking, who else went through something kind of like this? And I was thinking of Joseph. Joseph. Joseph lost just everything, pretty much. He lost trust. He lost trust in his brothers, all his big brothers, who basically betrayed him. He lost trust. He lost hope. Will I ever see my dad, Jacob, that, who loves me and I love him? Will I ever see him again? He lost his freedom. He became a slave, he became a servant. He was imprisoned, falsely accused. He lost his good name before other people. He's in jail, you know. He lost his family position. He was a favoured son. He had those gorgeous outfits, the garments. You know, he lost all these privileges and favour, but he never lost his faith in God. He was totally alone, just like Job was. But he never lost his faith in God. And God restored him, and God restored his family. It wasn't just for him, but it was for his family. It was for the line. 
for the nation of Israel. What else do we want to look at? So prayer is key and your faith in God. In Psalm 23, this classic psalm, I love this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm not going to lack anything. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters and he restores my soul. Sometimes we are so independent and so self-sufficient that we think we don't need anyone. But God is our shepherd. We are the sheep of his pasture. As long as we allow him to be our shepherd, then we shall not lack. When you do things yourself, you might be able to achieve a lot of things, but there will be lack. There will be lack. There'll be lack in quality family time. There'll be lack in relationships with friends. There'll be lack. There'll be some emptiness in your life. There'll be lack. But when you allow the Lord to guide, then he will make you lie down. He's like, here, this is a good place. This is a good place. Here, come over here. He leads us beside the still waters. Come on, just chill out, relax, relax. And he restores our soul. As we still ourselves, we allow him to still us and lead us, then he will restore our soul. Your mind, your will, your emotions, that's your soul. He will restore your soul. He will heal you emotionally. He will heal you mentally. He will help you in the area of your soul. He will restore your soul better than before. Amen. And another psalm that I love is in Psalm 51. And this was when David had uh, basically um, sinned before the Lord and he needed that restoration and he was crying out to the Lord. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He had gone after the fleshly way, but he said, I've got no joy. I got what I thought I wanted, but I need you, Lord. I need you. I need peace. I need joy. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I've drifted away, Lord. Uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. What does that mean? I put that other verse in the, uh, underneath there. Because why? Because as long as things were not right between him and God, there was no joy, there was no peace, and there was no opportunity for him to be an example or a witness for the Lord. He says, as you restore to me the joy of your salvation and you uphold me, you strengthen me, you restore me, Lord, then, then I will be able to be a good witness for you. Then I will teach people about you. Then I won't be a hypocrite, basically. That's what he's saying. You can't expect other people to live a godly life if you're not. You can't expect other people to have faith if you don't. You can't expect other people to follow the Lord if you're not. And this is exactly where he was at. He's like, Lord, restore me. Bring me back to that place 
so I can have that joy again. See, he was lacking the joy. He was a sheep who had strayed. He was lacking. Okay, the next one I want to go to. Um, these have been about individuals, basically, but you will find mostly when there is mention of restoring or restoration throughout the Old Testament, the theme is always about the nation of Israel. It's always about the nation of Israel and that messianic line that Jesus would come down. So let's go to um, Jeremiah chapter 30. And you know, the Old Testament is full of ebbing and flowing, ups and downs, you know, the obedience and the disobedience of the, the people of God. And, but God, in his goodness, would always bring them back to himself. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, the minor, major prophets, said, uh, Therefore, all those who devout God speaks through him and says to, to the people of God, Therefore, all those who devour you shall be devoured. And all your adversaries, or your enemies, every one of them shall go into captivity. Because the people of God were in and out of captivity because of their disobedience. But he's saying your enemies will be devoured. Your enemies will go into captivity. And those who plunder you shall become plunder. Those who come against you and try to oppress you and defeat you, they will be plundered. And all who prey upon you, I will make a prey. In other words, victims. They came against Israel and tried to oppress them like predators. He said, no, I will make them the prey. Why? Because they were so obedient and so good? No. Why? He said, I shall restore health to you. You're very unhealthy in their ungodly ways. I will restore health to you and heal all of your wounds, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast saying, this is Zion, no one seeks her. So he's basically saying, it's not because of your goodness, <laughs> it's because you have been rejected. Because you have been rejected. You are an outsider and an outcast, and it's like, no one cares about you, but I do. It's not about your goodness, but you're my people, and I care about you, and I will restore you. I will bring you back to health. You know, that's what God does with us. Sometimes we feel unhealthy. Sometimes we feel alone and outcast and that no one cares. But he says, I do. It's not about your goodness. He says, it's about mine. It's about his goodness, his care. He said, I will restore I will heal because I care. He's a wonderful, wonderful God. And then another prophet, one of the minor prophets, Joel, you know, they were always warning the people of God. But the people obviously wouldn't listen and then they would go through periods of captivity and terrible times. But then God, again in his goodness and his grace, says this, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, you know what locusts are, grasshoppers, 
the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. <laughs> it's like a biology lesson. <laughs> My great army which I sent among you. Wow. You know, there was plagues in Egypt, but this was a plague in the land at the time. And the locusts came and they ate all the crops and all the seed and everything. And because of that, a famine came upon the land. But even in the midst of that, when God's people finally turn their hearts back to him, he says, I'm going to restore. I'll take care of you. This army of locusts, the Lord allowed it. He allowed it. Why? Because he's punishing them? No, because he's wooing them back. Come back to me, you guys. Come on. That's what it's all about. He's wooing them back to himself by allowing difficulties to happen. So they will turn back to him and he will restore them, not to their original state, but better, better, better. And then he says, how does he restore? He said, you shall eat in plenty. No longer a famine. You will eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. You know, the nations around were saying, yeah, look at them. God doesn't care about his own people. But he says, yes, I do. I will restore you. You're going to have more than enough to eat. You will have physical restoration. Praise the name of the Lord. You will have spiritual restoration. And then he says, my people will never be put to shame. That's national restoration. He's saying, I'm going to take care of business. I know what I'm doing. I'm bringing my people back to their senses and back to me. You know, God has a way of doing it. You know, it's kind of like parents sometimes do with their kids. <laughs> he deals with us in a certain way to bring them back, to bring them back. Okay. You know, this is all pretty much from the Old Testament. When you get to the New Testament, most of the uh, mentions of restoration and the manifestations of restoration came through Jesus Christ in the form of healings. It was mainly physical healings. Sight was restored. Hearing was restored. Um, strength to the legs was restored. People were restored to the Lord. So there was different kind of restoration. It came through Jesus. He restored because he was the way, he was the truth, and he is the life. You know, the most important, these are all wonderful manifestations of restoration, but the most important restoration is our connection back to God, restored back to God. You know, every one of us, you know, because we came from Adam and Eve, every one of us, our original state, our natural birth, means that we were born with a sin nature. We were born with a sin nature through the natural birth. Therefore, to be better than that, God had to come through Jesus and restore us to a better level. How? Through spiritual birth. Through spiritual birth, where there's no sin. Sinless, because of Jesus Christ. And he has restored us to God through the new birth. Amen? How do I know? The word of God tells us. 
2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Okay? All things have become new. Not the original, but restored beyond that. New. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled to us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. God has restored us to himself and given us a ministry so that we can restore others to him, point them to Jesus. Look, he's done it for me. He can do it for you. That's our ministry. Point people to Jesus. What he's done in my life, he can do for you. There is hope. There is joy. There can be peace. There can be healing. You know, God um, does things very, in a very complex, mysterious way, and yet at times it's just very simple, really. It's very simple. Restored to God and restoring others to the Lord. Not only that, not only will people be restored, but in the future there's the promises of God. And this is what we're looking for as we point others to Jesus. 2 Peter chapter 3 says, We, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. He's going to restore all things. That's what it says in the book of Acts. Jesus is waiting for the time of restoration of all things. And when the rapture has happened and when the tribulation has happened and when the final battle of Armageddon has happened and the judgments of God, there will be new heavens and new earth. There will be that total restoration and there will be righteousness dwelling there. There will be no more sin, no more sickness, no more death, no more horrible things that we experience in this world. No more affliction. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome because God is a restorer. Better, better, better in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, things that need restoring are often being neglected. So, Lord, we just pray that if there's anything in our lives that we have neglected, that you want to restore, that you would have your way in that, that you would lead us, that you would steal us, that you would impart to us those things that we have need of. Restore our relationship with you. Restore our relationship with others. Restore health to us. Restore hope to those who feel hopeless at times. Restore vision when we feel like there's nothing much going on and not much to look forward to. Restore vision to us, Lord. Help us to cooperate with you to fulfill that call and wait for the promise when everything 
will be totally restored. Have your way, Lord. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If anyone wants prayer, want to pray with you, otherwise have an awesome week. Say hi to somebody and stay safe. Amen. Sandy, I want to pray for you. Mm -hmm.